Hello and welcome to another episode of Cast It Into The Fire. I'm on again with Bill. Hello. And we're on the first brand chapter and uh, it starts with a hilarious illustration of Bran. Well, the one that I have. He's, he's just jumping around. In the he's, illustrated edition. He's just leaping off of the rooftop onto, I guess, another rooftop. And, you know, he's Spider-Bran. Spider-Bran, Spider-Bran, branding around like a spider can. Anyway. And um, so the hunt left at dawn. Um, the king wanted wild boar at the feast tonight. So uh, King Robert, Bobby B, has uh, ridden off hunting and he brought um, Joffrey with him. And um, Rob went with them too. And um, a bunch of the other noblemen, Uncle Benjamin. Jory, Theon Greyjoy, Sir Roderick, and um, even the Queen's funny little brother, so uh, Tyrion, um, and um, so they they've all gone hunting for boar. Epic foreshadowing. And Bran got left behind because he was a kid with um, Jon Snow and. Um, the girls and his little brother Rickon, who Bran thinks of as only a baby. Um, Rickon is four. Yep, he's he's only four years old in this, and he's how old in the show again? Six. Six. Everyone's aged up a little bit. And um, yeah, Bran. Bran is left behind, and uh, he doesn't want to go play with the girls because they're girls, and John and uh, his wolf aren't... Uh, they're not paying attention to him. And John seemed to be angry at everyone these days because, you know, he's emo John. Yeah, he's 14. He's angry at the world, as 14-year-olds are wanting to be. So, Bran wants to just uh, go parkouring. Uh, and, yeah... Bran doesn't know why he's mad. He's going to get to join the Night's Watch with Uncle Ben. That's almost as good as going south with the king. Yeah, that's really cool. Bran thinks it's all cool. He's looking at it through uh, youth eyes with a, uh, with, you know, thinking, oh, the, look at these men going to war. Look at these men doing their duty, going to the wall to protect us all from whatever's there. Um, and, uh... Bran's all excited because he's gonna go off and go south to King's Landing and the Red Keep and the Dragon Lords had built that castle and old Nan said there were ghosts there and dungeons where terrible things had been done and there were dragon heads on the wall and so Bran's all excited about that and uh, he's not afraid because his father would be with him and the king has all his knights and sworn swords um and Bran wants to be a knight himself when he gets older and join the King's Guard. Yeah, much like the Night's Watch, that's another thing that uh, sounds pretty cool when you're a kid. But and it is cool, but you know it's got certain rules that uh, most people don't want to have to live with for the rest of their lives. Yeah, but Bran's not thinking that way. Yeah, because he's, he's seven. Seven, and he doesn't understand. He just understands that you know. 
they're action people. There are brave troops, so to say. And um, there were only seven of them. They were the finest swords in the realm, and they had no wives or children, and they wore white armor and lived to serve only the king, and Bran knew their stories and their names. There were Serwin of the Mirror Shield, Sir Ryan Redwine, Prince Aemon the Dragon Knight, the twins Sir Eric and Sir Arik, who had died on one another's swords hundreds of years ago. When brother fought sister in the war the singers called the Dance of the Dragons, the white bull Gerald Hightower, Sir Arthur Dane the Sword of the Morning, Barrest in the Bold. Okay, all of these people are elaborate, dead by this point, except for... They're dead by this point. They have the elaborate titles, uh, just... Yeah. Well, these are, you know, Knights of Legend. Barristan the Bold is still around, but other than that... Yeah. And, um, two of these kings guarded come to Winterfell with King Robert. And, um... You know, Bran was fascinated with them, but didn't dare to speak with them. And there was Sir Burroughs and Sir Marin. Those surely, uh... Those yeah, Bran, Bran was all impressed with them. Now, you're later going to find out these two knights are about as unimpressive as knights as, you know, it gets. And pretty much have it as... They have their position for political favor, not because they're all that great as warriors or all that chivalrous by their knightly code or anything like that. Um, the King's Guard has gone downhill, you might say, from its ideals. Um, yeah, and that's sort of the idea of it. And um, Sir Jamie was of the King's Guard too. Yeah, I don't know why Bran didn't say three of them came, because it is three. Um. Oh, but Rob had said he had killed the old Mad King and shouldn't count anymore. <laughs> yeah, that was said. The greatest living knights are Barristan Selmy, Barristan the Bold, who, yeah, I'd already mentioned he's still alive. Um, the Lord Commander of the King's Guard. Yeah, Bran's all excited about all of this. Yeah, and a lot of them, these are either really, really young, untested, or really old. I've gained the impression from a lot of it. Like, a lot of them are older. Um, they're older, and um, some of them are there more for, I guess, said, political anything. reasons than them actually having that much skill as warrior or yeah. holding to these, you know, chivalric ideals that they're, they're supposed to. They're there to watch the king hunt. Yeah, I mean, Barristan is the real deal, so to speak, although there's kind of some debatable aspects of that we'll get into later. But, yeah. um, and Bran is feeling kind of lost because it was the last day for him to be at Winterfell. And it's his only home, and that's where he's you know lived his whole seven years of his life, and and he likes he likes going around and he was supposed to say his goodbyes and he tried and he he plans to um visit old nan gage the cook mick in the smithy holder the stable boy yeah who had smiled so much took care of his pony and he only said hodor yeah more foreshadowing oh what happened 
Um, go on. Hodor. The man in the glass gardens who gave him a blackberry when he came to visit. But he, uh, yeah, he didn't end up doing it. He went to the stable and he went to see his pony, but it wasn't his pony anymore. He was going to get a real horse and leave his pony behind and Oh, Brent's sad about that, and he wants to cry, which is understandable. I mean, hey, I'd be sad if I had to leave my pony that I don't have behind. Uh, yeah, I would too. And he ran off before Hodor or any other stable boys could see him crying, and uh, goes to spend time in the God's Wood and um, hang out with his wolf and teach it to fetch and failing. And the wolf is smart because it's a wolf and smarter than any of the hounds and. Um, the kennel. But he doesn't have command over it. Nope. That's the thing. Because it's a wolf. Mm-hmm. And, um, he's still trying to pick a name for his wolf. Um, Rob was going to call his Grey Wind because he ran so fast. Sansa had named hers Lady. Arya had named hers after some old witch queen in the song, so that would be, uh, Nymeria who I wouldn't exactly call a witch queen. I mean, knowing more of her story, but um, this is, you know, for Bran logic, he's seven. Um, and um, Rickon had uh, called his Shaggy Dog, which Bran thought was a pretty stupid name for a dire wolf. And, well, once again... You call it what again? Shaggy Dog. There you go. That was... Because he's four. That's also clearly some kind of possibly a reference to something. Yeah. Um. And a, a shaggy dog story. You want to describe that, Bill? What? You mean the movie? No, what a, a shaggy dog story is. Oh, I don't know. You go ahead. You describe it. Well, it's a... I was thinking It's like movie. a long, elaborate story that ultimately goes nowhere. Oh, well, there's... Okay, yeah. I and th- some people that. say that that's foreshadowing about Rickon's fate. Yeah. Um, but since we don't have the Winds of Winter yet... Well, there we, you go. We don't know. Like I said, it could be that refer- a reference to the, uh, the movie, Shaggy Dog, Tim Allen. So. And uh, John's wolf, the white one, was Ghost. And Bran wished he'd thought of that name first, even though his wolf wasn't white, but he didn't think of it first, and he still hasn't picked a name that felt right. And he went off to go climbing. Because he's Bran. Yep, he, he he really enjoys leaping from, apparently, from rooftop to rooftop. And that's not just an exaggeration of the picture. He's really very agile, more so than Yeah, I he's climbing he up towers. He's he, His favorite spot is this broken tower area. You want to talk about that? Where he has, like, these favorite spots that he goes to. So, yeah, he, he starts with climbing up a tree, and his wolf um, is looking at him, and a chill went through Bran, and uh, that's probably some foreshadowing. The wolves, uh, this will be a thing repeatedly, that the wolves, um, when they seem apprehensive about something, there's generally a very good reason, even if it's... It's danger, even if you don't notice it right away. And it goes above and beyond how ordinary dogs have sometimes a pretty good sense of something isn't safe or um, a person is no good. But 
the wolves, it goes a bit more supernatural like that. Like, they can sense, like, convoluted ill intentions that, like, maybe the one person they're looking at may not have, but their family might have, and they're going to betray someone later, but we'll go into that much later. Um, yes, we will. And uh, he, t- he tells the wolf to stay, and the wolf is um, howling. So it's clearly not happy with what Bran is doing. And Bran's a sit down, stay, you're worse than mother. And he's up that tree, he gets onto the the rooftops, he likes, um... Yeah, his mother was always afraid that he would fall, he would slip and fall. Yeah, and, um... Yeah, in the older parts of the castle, the halls slanted up and down so you couldn't be sure what floor you were on, and the place had grown over the centuries like some... Monstrous stone tree, Maester Lewin um, had said that, and the branches were gnarled and thick and twisted, its roots sunk deep into the earth. So this is the castle, not um, one of the trees. And you know, up there he sees all of Winterfell, and it's spread out beneath him, and there's only birds over his head, and um, Bran would like to sit there for hours among the gargoyles, and... Um, watch it all and see, you know, the men working and the dogs running around and all that stuff. And it makes him feel like he's lord of the castle in a way even Rob would never know. Yeah, because he's, he's the highest. And he's considering how far down the line of um, inheritance Bran is, eh, he's not... If things go normally, he's not going to end up being the lord. Uh, nope, but so as he's doing around, going around doing his uh, brand parkour, his spider brand routine. What does he come across? But oh yeah, um, the thing, a defining moment in both the show and the book. Yeah, well, before we uh, get to that. Yeah, his mom is, um, his, his mom is worried. Um, his father laughs and says, you're not my son, you're a squirrel. Um, and if, if you must climb, then try not to let your mom see you climb. So, I guess dad is cool with it, maybe more cool with it than he should be, and his mom is worried. Um, and old Nan, um told him stories of a boy who climbed too high and was struck by lightning and then the crows pecked out his eyes and Bran's not impressed um like there were crows up there and he'd come up with corn for them but none of them had showed any interest in his eyes um Maester Lewin had built a boy out of pottery and dressed him in Bran's clothes and dropped him off so he could watch it fall and break, and Bran also wasn't impressed by this, because he's not made of clay, and he never falls. Yeah, again, that's... And the guards would chase him, and... See where this goes. Um, yeah, he likes the birds, the crows in the broken tower, and he brings them food, and the sparrows, and then 
owl that sleeps in the loft above the armory, and Bran knows all of them. See this association with birds? Yeah, and there's... It's amazing how he's putting all this into one chapter before everything that happens happens, which is what I was getting to. About. Yeah, so, uh... As he's climbing up in the... Towers, um... Yeah, he climbs up one, and... He hears voices coming from it. And... A, wo- a woman's voice is saying, I don't like it. You should be the hand. And the man says, God forbid, it's not an honor I'd want. There's far too much work involved. Yeah. And the woman says, don't you see the danger this puts us in? Robert loves the man like a brother. To which the man says, Robert can barely stomach his brothers. Not that I blame him. Stannis would be enough to give anyone indigestion. Yeah. Which... It's true. Um, and while this is happening, Bran is approaching and getting closer. And yes, he is. Uh, he has spotted this windsess. Yep, he's heading for the window to look in. Don't play the fool. Stannis and Renly are one thing, and Eddard Stark is quite another. Robert will listen to Stark. Damn them both. I should have insisted that he name you. But I was certain Stark would refuse him. Yeah. And the man says, we ought to count ourselves fortunate. The king might as easily have named one of his brothers, or even Littlefinger, God's help us. Yeah, the idea is that, you know, um, Robert Baratheon could have uh, named any one of his uh, brothers or, or Littlefinger or somebody a lot more ruthless uh, as Hand of the King. Instead, he named his best friend... The Honorable Ned Stark. And, and um, Bran knows the talking about his dad. And their premise is that, uh, that yes, he recognizes he's talking about his dad, and the premise is that he, they understand that he is honorable and that they sort of looked out in a way. Yeah, and um, the woman says, we will have to watch him carefully. And the man says, I would sooner watch you. All right, you see where this is uh, going. And, um, yeah, they're going on about how Lord Eddard is not interested in anything south of the Neck. So the, the, the southern region of the north. Yeah. Um, he doesn't really care about anything other than his territory and a little bit beyond that. And they're like, oh, he wants duty and honor. Maybe he wants to have his name on the book of history or he wants to get away from his wife or both. Or maybe he wants to be warm. Okay, that's, you know, actually not true. Um, Ned loves his wife, um, but... He loves his wife, but he has a very, very, very (laughs) big sense of duty. Strong sense of duty. Yeah, and they're they're talking about, uh... Lysa Aaron and... How it's a wonder Lysa was not, you know, the the sister of um, Ned's wife, Catelyn. Uh, it's a wonder how she was not here to greet us with her accusations. Yeah. And, yeah, Bran is looking down and there's a narrow ledge beneath the window, but it's too far. He can't reach it, so he's not, he's not in a stable position on the... 
place he's watching from. Yeah. Nope, and that's that is uh, proves to be very very fateful indeed. And yeah, so the conversation continues, and um, Bran's listening to this, and and then it gets really interesting. Yeah, so he looks in the window and he sees, well, to uh, a naked man and a naked woman wrestling because he's seven and doesn't know. Yep, what it really he is. Doesn't know what it is. They're having a wrestling match. That's. And, uh, Cersei, uh... Yeah, she's saying, stop it, stop it, in, like, a playful way, like, she doesn't really mean stop it, and, yeah, that's, that's not cool. I know roleplay is a thing, but, yeah. yeah, there's too many people who do think stop it is a game, and... Yeah... And as Bran is watching this, um, suddenly the woman opens her eyes and looks at him and screams. And pushes the man away. And, yep, and then suddenly she knew that... uh, They'd been found out, and this was Cersei and Jaime, the brother and sister. Cersei, who's married to the king. Yep. And, yeah, so Cersei is, he saw us, and the man says, so he did, and he uh, reaches out his hand for Bran, take my hand before you fall. Um, and Bran actually t- trusted him. He <laughs> seized the, his arm and held on tight with all his strength. The man yanked him up to the edge. What are you doing, the woman demanded. The man ignored her. He was very strong. He stood Bran up the well. How old are you, boy? Seven. He said, shaking with relief. His fingers had dug deep gouges in the man's forearms. He let go sheepishly. The man looked over at the woman. The things I do for love, he said with loathing. He gave Bran a shove. Which, again, if you watch the show, you will know this. That's what he does as well. Though, in the show, he doesn't... He just knocks him out the window. It's not like he actually helps him up like he would on his own devices. Yeah, it's like he's holding Bran who's like braced against the window. And, and he was, despite the fact that he was the son of the enemy and he knew this, he was perfectly willing to save him and behave honorably and kind. However, Circe was there and Circe's not an honorable character and Circe has uh, has uh, Jamie under her control for the last, for you know, and, to put it. And um, Also, there's the whole thing where if they are actually found out, you know, then people will know that Cersei's, you know, kids might not be the kings, and, um, all of them could be killed. Yep. So, yeah, she has her brother, uh, push Bran out the window, and, um, there's, so Bran falls backward and there's nothing to grab onto and in the distance a wolf is howling and crows circled the broken tower waiting for corn. Yeah. And that's the end of this chapter. The next one's going to be Tyrion but that was one of those ones where uh, 
there's a lot of foreshadowing what's going to come ahead, which we're not really going to do. But the, there was, of course, immediate foreshadowing the fact that, you know, Bran, oh, you know, watch out, Bran, you're going to fall. Don't be uh, jumping around the rooftops. But, yeah, he fell. Of course, it was more sinister than that, but that was... Yeah, he wouldn't part, have right. He wouldn't have fallen, I mean, yet anyway, presumably. And he, would, if, and he wouldn't even have fallen if Cersei wasn't there. Because Jamie probably would have, actually. So I do think he would have saved her, him. And he would have been like, okay, Yeah, well, I didn't get the impression that, Jamie really wanted to kill Bran. No, he said it with loathing. He said it with loathing, and he seemed to be fine with having honorable enemies. Like, and he, that implies, I feel, a very big subtext. I'm sure that Game of Thrones fans will come after me for this, but it it says to me that he himself is willing to play it nice and honorably and not actually, like, he, he wants control, he wants to be ahead, but he's willing to, uh, willing to play by the rules. But not seriously, again. And, uh, like I said, there's a real bird theme. The crows, the owl, the sparrows, um, future bird-related associations for Bran. Yep. And, um, about Lysa Aaron's, uh, accusations. So, yeah, that's going to be important later. Yep. Um... There you go. And the wolf's warning, I already went into that. Um, you have anything else to say about this? Yeah, no, that's, uh, it's, uh, other than the fact that I can't spoil what's coming, but, you know, the, the, all of this uh, plays into Bran's future, so. And... I guess needless to say here, Bran has a future. This fall did not kill him. I mean, the chapter makes it look like it may have, but... Yeah. So, we will continue that next. But next is a Tyrion chapter, which does yeah. address some of this. Tyrion's always fascinating. All right. Now, thank you for listening to uh, Cast It Into the Fire and... Um, we'll do the Tyrion chapter, and we're also going to be doing more Redwall, and at some point soon, we're also going to be going over Dinotopia by James Gurney. Yeah, we still also have to do a few other ones, too, so. So I've, I've been reading the original James Gurney books, um, but, um, I also saw most or all, it's been some years of the TV show, which uh, we're going to discuss how we feel about that as an adaptation. Yes. Uh, the Bill first season of it. Ad- um, Bill has strong opinions on this. And I've read a lot of the spin-off book series when I was a kid, so um, that's going to be fun. And Thank you for listening to Cast It Into the Fire. Good night. Good night.